0: Hey guys, welcome back to Mountain Murders.
1: I'm Heather and I'm
0: Dylan. <laughs> hey, what's up? You
1: seem like you're very excited to be Dylan. Today. I
0: am, I'm on fire right now. I've just been making myself laugh and just saying dumb shit. And, uh, you're laughing. I hear you laughing now and again, yes. which is, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I feel great today. We well, ha-
1: just before we sat down to podcast, you were singing your own version of TLC's Creep. Right. But your version is called Steep.
0: Steep. And it is about uh, tea leaves. Yes. Yeah. And making fresh tea. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to hear an excerpt? No. And, the,
1: and you were almost like teabagging a coffee cup or But that was the dance
0: it. move. I was... I,
1: I got it. Yeah. It's yeah, was... a wonderful visual. I feel like our <laughs> goal should be if we can get 20 patrons on Patreon. Okay. We'll post a video of you singing your steep song and doing your dance moves.
0: So we're going to make a video and be like, So I steep,
1: yeah. So we just there, need eight okay. more folks to sign up over on Patreon. Okay. And you can get a video of Dylan performing.
0: And this. I'll make a, the video for the hit new hit single, Steep. Yes. So I steep. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> I can do that.
1: We should get a, a shout-out to our new patrons. We've got Susan, Pamela, and Sharon.
0: Yeah, that not that awesome?
1: Thank you so much, ladies. We that, appreciate you. They're
0: patron buddies. They all joined right there together. And thanks to all our existing patrons, you're incredible. Thank you so much.
1: We've got a lot of content on Patreon right now, so if you would like to get some bonus material, extra podcasts to help you make it through the week.
0: Yeah, more of uh, the deep, intellectual insights that I offer every episode
1: uh-huh <laughs> yeah
0: like uh, oh I need to kind of apologize to the listeners cuz I sounded like I kept confusing time periods on our heart brothers story
1: yeah, we were on a walk today, and Dylan's like, "I'm so stupid, I'm stupid." And he yeah. was like hitting himself in the face, you know. Yeah, it wasn't even it was, the wrong it region. Was really it was the wrong,
0: It was the wrong time period as well, by about a hundred years or so. Yeah, I guess. you were
1: like Yippie Ki Yay and motherfucker I was stuck out in, in the, the Wild w- West. West, like we were talking about Jesse James or something.
0: But it was very similar,
1: well, times, somewhat.
0: But it was not the West, and it was not the 1800s. So for that, I apologize. <laughs> Okay.
1: <laughs> Did you watch Young Guns recently or something?
0: Well, hey, you guys, you see the size of that chicken. <laughs> that's, the, that's my shit growing up, but that was not, that was made after the Hart Brothers died. Quick
1: question. Why do men, and I'm going to say of a certain generation, because it seems to be fellas around our age group, uh-huh. well, like maybe in, in the 10 year span of like our age or so, that loved the movie Tombstone?
0: Oh, well, yeah, I mean... Such a
1: dude film.
0: Well, come on.
1: I'm coming back and bringing hell with me. You tell him I'm coming and
0: I'm bringing Harold with me. Well, I mean, it's just a very dude movie. Some great performances there. And I'm Your there.
1: Huckleberry.
0: Yeah, I mean, Val Kilmer, I think it's Val Kilmer's best performance Every ever. Every
1: dude I know that's like in our age group loves Tombstone.
0: Yeah, well, that's the best Western, modern day Western has been made. that had that feel of the old cowboy movies. Okay. Yeah, a lot of of tea, a lot of testosterone going on. Val
1: Kilmer's best performance, eh?
0: Yeah. Have you seen Val lately?
1: I will argue that Real Genius is Val Kilmer's best performance. But then again, that is my favorite 80s movie.
0: That is an incredible 80s movie. And Mm -hmm. anybody that's not seen it needs to see it. It's the best. So yeah, it's just very dude movie, and uh, I think it hit us right there at that age too. You know what I mean? Okay. That ten to thirteen age, right? Right. Is that? I don't even know if that's right. Probably about that. It's probably not because I've been wrong, and we can talk about another region and time period if you like. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right, let's do this. I'm getting (laughs) stretched out over here. What are we gonna see you? Yeah. Oh, can we tell them about the crazy white dude we saw?
1: Oh man, we've got to tell them about our crazy experience today. Wacky, wild, wacky Waynesville.
0: I'm going to write a book called While I Was Walking. And I'm going to dedicate it to Waynesville. Because every time we go walking, we encounter an odd character.
1: We're just trying to exercise. Right. Just trying to get a couple miles in.
0: I think we got four in get today. the blood
1: flowing a little bit. Yeah. It never fails. We encounter s- some weird shit.
0: Yeah, so today we're kicking along and then near the end of our walk, it was a pretty good walk all around downtown, and um so we're walking along and some dude's like, hey, is that how you get to frog level? I'm like, yeah, you go up here, hang a right, and they'll take you straight to it.
1: Which is just like a little section of town.
0: Yeah, it's a little lower, kind of on the downside from Main Street, and... Nice little coffee house, a great little frog level brewing there. Nice little brewery. We
1: love Clark and his beer.
0: Yeah. And, um, but it's also where some strange people congregate, if you will.
1: There's a a rather large homeless (laughs) population.
0: I don't also think they're high homeless. On drugs I don't think they're homeless.
1: Who enjoy hanging out there.
0: Yeah, because they found a home in Frog Level.
1: Well, that's true.
0: Okay, so that's how that's working. Like there was
1: a stabbing there the other day. Which there was
0: a, a stroll by stabbing. Yeah. Very, very dangerous area now, apparently. So, anyway, this dude's like, how you get there? We tell him and we continue. And what did he say next, honey?
1: If this was your last day on earth, what would you do?
0: Okay. Yeah, so, so I. we were
1: a bit taken aback by this question.
0: Yeah, but I still just kind of like, all right, okay.
1: Dylan said, I think I'd probably have a cold beer.
0: I'd have a cold beer. Because once I said, that's how you get to frog level, I thought about frog level brewing. Yes. I thought about a cold beer. You know, I think about beer a lot. I was like, I wish we would walk down there and have a cold beer. Just it's one. Too
1: bad the brewery's not open. It's 11 in the morning. Well, yeah,
0: but you know. <laughs> but and the- I knew we weren't going to anyway. So I'm fantasizing my head about a cold beer. So I'm like, yeah, I'd go down there and have a cold beer. And then what did he say next?
1: Well, you really should think about doing that today. And so we're like, okay, cool, you know, keep walking. And then he looks over and he goes, no, I'm serious.
0: Because judgment's coming.
1: This is going to be your last day on earth.
0: Okay, so at this fucking point, I'm like, the I'm like, the fuck this dude talking about?
1: Well, when he said that, I was like, this motherfucker is going to pull out a gun right. and shoot us right here. Yeah. Ooh. In the middle of the street! In no. the street!
0: And I'm saying, you know, people's all scared about... Some people are worried about people who are different than them like or culturally bits. different or just people they don't understand. But the ones I worry about is the crazy-ass white dudes who might not be getting any booty in their life, don't have a woman to tell them, don't be stupid like that. And they do crazy. That's the ones doing the crazy you know, shit. and
1: I was looking at this guy and I was thinking, oh my God, he's going to shoot us in the street right now. I'm going to get killed by this dude wearing these dippy-ass shoes. Yeah. This dude was just... Oh, my God. And I was like, really? Why do I have to be killed by the guy wearing the stupid shoes and this weird button-up shirt? He looks like he's kind of dressed like my dad. Yeah. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, you at least have tactical gear on. Yeah, what the right? fuck? At least. Right. That at might le-
1: make it a little more interesting. At least be
0: know. like Rainbow Six of this bitch, but no, yeah. this dude is like... Rainbow negative three. And then
1: yesterday when we were walking, we saw a guy tough talking a goose. A goose, y'all. He was like threatening this goose. I'm going to shove this bread down your fucking throat, goose.
0: Yeah. And she's like, Did you hear that? And I was like, I think I. Uh, and then I turned back and he's like, Yeah. Yeah. Who do you think you are? And he's like squaring up on this goose. And I'm like, She said, Is that guy tough talking a goose? <laughs> I was like, uh, Yeah, totally. Let's just keep moving. Keep it moving.
1: So this is a healthy amount of bullshitting, right?
0: I think is it were.
1: Are we bordering on too much bullshitting? Are we going to get another one of those complaints of not a fan, too much bullshitting?
0: I think this is the perfect amount of bullshitting. Okay, because enough of the
1: bullshitting. Are you ready to move on?
0: Ready to dive into in the case? To this incredible case we have to offer.
1: Now, this is a newer story. It's been in the headlines in the last few years, so you may be familiar with this case.
0: Oh, I'm sure our uh, we got some really great true crime fans out there, and I'm sure a lot of them have heard this story.
1: This is a really wow
0: story. But it's very interesting, almost like a, I don't know, almost like a Picture of uh, what can is possible in the modern day when people who are sick in the head, you know, use modern techniques to do their crazy shit, right? Yeah, I
1: yeah. guess that's a way okay. you could sum it up. <laughs>
0: yeah, well, sure. I'm sure that's how everybody sums it up.
1: <laughs> On the morning of August 26, 2015, a live interview was taking place at Bridgewater Plaza in Moneta, Virginia. The conversation was about an upcoming 50th anniversary of Smith Mountain Lake, which is located 26 miles south of Roanoke, Virginia.
0: So, sounds like one of those feel-good fluff stories for the new local news station.
1: Have All you ever right. been to Roanoke? Uh, no. It's a quaint little town.
0: Well, it's quiet.
1: Yeah. A lot I mean, of history. downtown area is nice. They have kind of like a little city market, a couple of nice restaurants.
0: Okay, so just a small town? Yeah. Okay.
1: In the middle of a segment, WDBJ's Allison Parker and cameraman Adam Ward, were in the middle of a television segment for this morning news program.
0: You've worked so hard for all the things you have. The salary, the status, the success. And with that image, there's a drink. One to unwind, one to loosen up, one to take the edge off. But how do you know when a drink is more than just a drink? We get it. We can help. Karen's Grandview program has been helping accomplished people just like you regain their lives. Talk to us. Visit karen.org/grandview.
2: We're living in the age of podcasting, which also means the age of podcast networks with large back catalogs, long-running series, limited programming, and even cross-network collaborations. How are publishers supposed to keep this all organized? With Spreaker, of course. Spreaker's customizable publisher plan lets you organize your content exactly how you want it and gives you enough pod tech tools to monetize the largest back catalogs. If you're into premium offerings for subscribers, check out Spreaker's customized RSS feeds to upload and schedule exclusive content with ease. Or use our campaign manager to manage different campaigns from one central platform. Once your podcast business gets big enough, you can even add multiple networks to one account and collaborators assigned to each one. That helps keep the true crime series away from the comedy podcasts. And make sure you get the advertisements that will resonate the most with your listeners. So let's move from the age of podcasting to the age of the podcast network with Spreaker. Head to Spreaker.com to learn more. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com.
1: Video of the incident showed Parker conducting the interview as scheduled, then suddenly eight gunshots ring out, followed by screams, the camera hits the ground and flashes an image of the shooter holding a Glock 19 9mm pistol.
0: That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine? Yeah, you're just here, you are, everyday, normal stuff, doing a little fluff piece you've done a billion times. And next thing you know, there's a maniac with a gun.
1: Immediately, the control room at the television station flips back to the studio where anchor Kimberly McBroom is seen with a very confused look on her face. Unsure of what is transpiring, McBroom would later say she thought it was shots being fired like in the background or maybe a car backfiring, not realizing completely like what had happened on camera.
0: Right. I think it's one of those so out of the ordinary, your brain can't process what's really going on.
1: The live televised shooting was unlike anything the social media world had seen. The suspect posted a video of the killings online. At 11:14 a.m., Vester Flanagan, known as Bryce Williams, uploaded a 56-second video to Facebook and Twitter showing the live interview. Flanagan pulls out a gun for 15 seconds. He's unseen by the three victims.
0: That's creepy part of that video.
1: Viewers hear the word "bitch" mumbled, and then Parker is shot. The camera Ward is holding falls to the ground. The video cuts off. Later, investigators would note how Flanagan waited until the news camera was filming Parker directly before he fired the gun.
0: Yeah, so he knew exactly what he wanted. He wanted this to be on air, live.
1: Very premeditated. Right. He knew exactly what he wanted filmed for the world to see. Yeah. The killing sparked a manhunt that would last for several hours. And I remember when this was fresh on the news. I
0: remember when it was happening and they were actually hunting the guy. Yeah, I
1: mean, yeah. this was a big deal. Yep. 24-year-old Allison Parker was born August 19, 1991 in Martinsville, Virginia. She was a graduate of James Madison University. During her internship, she worked at a news station in New Bern, North Carolina, coastal town. In 2014, she went to work at WDBJ on the morning show. Now, just before the shooting, Parker had moved in with another anchor at the station named Chris Hurst. So here's a young woman, career-minded, she's kind of gotten this first big news job. Yeah. Meets an anchor there, falls in love, they move in together. I mean, these are people who have their whole lives ahead of them. Yeah,
0: by all accounts, they were both uh, good at their job, successful, young, attractive couple, going places in their... You know, field of uh, present field of work, and looking to get in. The, I guess you always shoot for as a news anchor, like the uh, the big boys, right? The well, network yeah. affiliate, you or
1: start at you know maybe a smaller market, work your way up, right? Being close to home. I mean, she's from Martinsville, so I'm sure working in this Roanoke market, right, was probably somewhat of a dream come true. Yeah, and everybody so working that knew in your them, home uh, market,
0: they were on their way up. They expected them to do, you know, move, advance and move up in bigger markets. And uh, they were just a kind of couple that seemed like everybody liked them.
1: Adam Ward was a Virginia Tech grad. He was born May 10th, 1988. He had only been working at the station since July as a photojournalist. At the time of his death, he was engaged to a producer, Melissa Ott. The woman who was being interviewed, Vicki Gardner, survived a gunshot wound. She was the executive director of the Smith Mountain Lake Regional Chamber of Commerce. Since this incident, she has sued the news station for $6 million. And rightfully so. You think so? I think so.
0: Well, I guess uh, guess we'll have to get more into the background of Mr. Flanagan. Well, we will. Yeah.
1: Around 8.26 a.m., the ABC News affiliate got a 23-page fax from Flanagan. It was labeled, Suicide Note for Friends and Family.
0: Wow. So, it's basically a manifesto, if you will.
1: 23-page facts. Exactly. Yeah. Flanagan, who went by the professional name Bryce Williams, had been fired in 2013 because of his volatile behavior. During Williams' time at the television station, multiple co-workers complained that he had threatened them or made them feel uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, that seems to be a pattern that follows him throughout his entire career, the more and more you de- you know, you go back on his story, right?
1: Ward, the cameraman, had been one of the employees who had filed a complaint against Flanagan. He was described as unhappy and quick to take offense. Right. Flanagan was difficult to work with. Management had at one point asked him to see a mental health professional. Initially, when he was hired, management had praised Flanagan as a veteran reporter who had an enormous scope of experience and described his work as quality and professional, but that opinion began to crumble within the first year of working at this Roanoke station.
0: Yeah, a, no- a whole lot of experience, enormous body of experience, usually can also mean a guy who can't stay at one place. He has to work at a bunch of different places because he has issues, he has problems that eventually come out.
1: Co-workers stated that after his firing... Flanagan had a meltdown in the newsroom. Police were called out and had to take him out of the building. Adam Ward, the cameraman, had recorded the scene as Flanagan was escorted out of the building. Management informed employees to call 911 if he ever returned to the building.
0: All right, so he's lost his shit. He's got fired. Kinds of problems with everybody else. This guy, the more I, I heard read about him, he's always had a problem with people. And as soon as people call him on his bullshit, things he's doing wrong, he's quick to, oh, you're discriminating. He's, you know, he's a black gentleman, so but he's quick to pull the race card, if you will. I know that's kind of a you know, questionable way of saying it, but I think he truly was one of those people who did that when it wasn't really a racial issue. Well,
1: and I believe he was homosexual, so he right. also okay. would say... He felt discriminated against because of his sexual orientation as well as race.
0: Right. And you get a guy like that and he actually, they hurt anyone who really is being discriminated against on sex, sexual orientation or race. Because he is just an asshole who's hard to work with, right? But, you know, when people call him on his bull, his BS, he instantly turns into this other conversation.
1: Well, I can see both sides of the coin here. I think... First of all, there are probably some of our listeners out there. I know I've had a really bad experience in a workplace where I felt I was unjustly let go. Right. When I was really and truly the innocent person of the whole staff who hadn't done anything and was like railroaded. And yeah, when that happened, I was pretty upset because it was completely unfair. So I understand like kind of losing your shit a little bit and being like, fuck you, fuck you, you're okay, fuck you. I mean, I get that attitude. Well, yeah,
2: of course. Because,
1: you know, it's like, well, this is some bullshit right well, here. Well, especially
0: if you hadn't done anything.
1: Right. But I think you have to look at the whole package of, is this an employee who has just gotten fired or is being let go and they're losing their shit, but they don't have a history of problems? Right. Like, okay, this is just very well, hard or upsetting for them. Or do you have this employee who has this history of conflict, problems, violent behavior, erratic behavior, then they get fired and lose their shit? Then yeah, that probably seems like, okay, this employee is a threat more so than this employee is just pissed off right now, but in a day they're going to be like, fuck that place. Right. You know what I'm saying?
0: Oh, yeah. Well, if you look at a sum of all parts, like you said, if this has happened more than once and, and all these different places you know some of them quite far apart in different areas then yeah it's probably something you're doing and you have this pattern well
1: when it comes to workplace violence i think some people are quick to think someone's
0: been wronged emotional
1: reaction to a situation is oh well they're danger to me Right. But they don't have a history of that. And it's like, okay, well, that person's probably just upset and they're going to go on and probably never see you again and not think about you in two weeks. Right. Or the person who has constant conflict with co-workers. You know, we did the story earlier on our podcast on Mountain Murders about the fellow at the Butterfield, Union Butterfield plant in Asheville. Right. That went in and shot up the place yep. after he was fired. But he had a history of conflict with all of his co exactly. Much like... Vester Flanagan. Exactly. Well, Flanagan says that this firing was racial discrimination. He filed an EEOC complaint, which is Equal Employment Opportunity Commission complaint. He said he felt this was just completely, you know, a discrimination issue. He was being targeted for his race. That complaint is later dismissed. In the grievance, he named Allison Parker... He took to social media to repeatedly make claims that Parker was a racist. He also included Adam Ward's name in many of the posts. For example, on August 26, 2015, he tweeted, Allison made racist comments.
0: Ah, well, you know, okay. And when you see someone say that, oh my God, did that, you know, you're in, I instantly are like, what the hell did that person say? You know what I mean? What did they do?
1: Here's a little background on Flanagan. He was born October 1973 in Oakland, California. He was described as a popular teenager who had been a model for Macy's Department Store. Oh. So good looking guy.
0: Hey, was it, you reckon he was doing like the Husky Department?
1: He what? was voted homecoming prince during his junior year of high right. school. In 1995, he earned a degree in broadcasting. He held several jobs as a production assistant and a general assignment reporter.
0: So he was well-experienced and uh, had been around that field for a long time, right?
1: During his career, Flanagan had multiple issues with colleagues and co-workers. So this is where we're going to get into this pattern of behavior.
0: Yeah, so either he keeps getting hired by racists or something's up with him.
1: In Florida, between 1999 and... In the year 2000, he said coworkers were making comments about his sexual orientation. Later, coworkers would say Flanagan verbally abused his female coworkers. He had been nicknamed the "diva" by others because of his behavior. People didn't want to work with him on assignments. He was dismissed for his odd behavior in the year 2000. Flanagan files a lawsuit for racial discrimination. He sued for $75,000 in damages. A settlement was reached, and he went on to work at some other stations. His lawsuit made claims such as he had been called a monkey by a producer. He said a white employee had told him it busted her butt that blacks did not take advantage of free money.
0: Oh, okay. Meaning,
1: I guess, scholarships being available for African-Americans so they could attend college. Okay. He said he also overheard employees being told not to speak in bonics, and that co-workers called black criminals thugs.
0: Okay, well, that's all not cool, right? No. None of that is cool. And I'm sure that in his life, he had experienced people saying crazy shit like that.
1: They do reach the settlement. He gets his chunk of money, moves on. Right. To other stations. Well, after being fired from WDBJ in Roanoke, he got a job at a call center. He had issues with his coworkers there.
0: At the call center?
1: Yes. People described his behavior as aggressive and rude.
0: Yeah, and I think that aggression is what particularly his uh, women counterparts in the workplace, you know, when you're very, in the workplace, you expect people to be a certain way. Like, I don't want to lose my job. You know, it's like you're almost on your best behavior. Well,
1: leave it you don't like a co-worker. You right.
0: Aggression. need
1: to maintain some semblance of professionalism. Right. We're at work. We're here to do a job. I don't have to be your best don't friend. don't have to be your
0: friend, but we can work together if we have to, to get the job done.
1: Well, right. And I would think that was what most reasonable adults would aspire to do.
0: And no one should have to deal with, like, true, uh, uh, you know...
1: Discrimination.
0: Discrimination. Or any of those things he said uh, in his, uh, alleged, in his suit there... We're all things that's not cool. I wouldn't expect anyone to have to work in that environment. Definitely but at not. At the same time, I wouldn't expect his coworkers, female or male or female, to have to come in and deal with any kind of uh, someone getting really, really, really mad to the point where you're getting nervous being in the same room with them when they throw a fit. That's totally wrong to make them work in that environment as well. Well,
1: and respect goes both ways. Right. And instead of lashing out at your coworkers if they truly are making these kind of statements, this is when you pursue, you know, HR grievances, complaints, and go right. through the proper channels. Right. To make sure that this is documented, that you can prove a pattern of discrimination exactly. or improper behavior in the workplace.
0: And I wouldn't say, uh, and it's how do you act? Now, I'm not saying you deserve anything, but you can't be overly aggressive. And that maybe people just don't like you because you're an asshole, not because you're black or your sexual orientation, you know? Maybe it's just because you're a damn asshole. But and some people always can turn that back into themselves and, and, and be like, oh, it's, it's everybody against me. And not really want to do any self-reflection on the way they act.
1: Well, one bad reaction... From, you know, you get some bad reaction from a coworker. They say something you don't like. They make a comment you don't approve of. I mean, lashing back out with another bad, like, retort is... Right. And it's never going to be a good situation. Right. You're just going to be at each other's throats, neck and neck.
0: Well, and I can tell you, if I was around any of them people saying any of that stuff that he, he had in his suit, I would tell them they're pieces of shit. You know, I would not sit around and call someone a monkey with other people or all that, sh- you know... Racially tinged, you know, even if it was bad jokes, I would tell people that's not my thing. I don't think that's funny, and I would call them out as a, you know, another white person, if you will. But you know, it yeah, sounds check like that
1: shit at the door.
0: Yeah, wow, well, yeah, and I would call people out on that, and that's what you should do in a workplace because I would want anyone to feel. You know, um, bullied or beat up on in any form or fashion.
1: Right. Right. I mean, it's emotional language that gets people riled up.
0: But if so everywhere in some sense, you go. I can see where
1: Vester Flanagan would be like, that's not cool and have a reaction. But, you know, it's like at the end of the day, you really should take the stuff to HR instead of blowing up.
0: Right. And I'm.
1: Because he's the one that ends up getting fired.
0: And I'm sure he's encountered times when he had a legitimate, possibly encountered times when he, being black and in America. A legitimate complaint, and neighbors maybe it wasn't, you know, taken care of.
1: Who lived in his apartment building also complained that he had behavior that was very hostile.
0: Yeah, he's just an asshole. He's crazy.
1: He got into multiple disputes with neighbors. He threw cat feces at people's doors and such. He was rude, combative. Would go out of his way to have conflict with his neighbors.
0: Right, Dr- drama. Just escalate seeking. the yes.
1: situation.
0: Right. He loves it. It
1: seems that he does.
0: He seeks it out. I mean, he can't even have neighbors. I mean, damn.
1: Yeah, so we've got call center job, people complaining about his behavior. We've got the neighbors complaining about his behavior. This is a guy who's seemingly having some sort of downward spiral. And, you know, I don't know if it was, like, a mental issue, undiagnosed.
0: Well, he's certainly... But he's
1: definitely seemingly kind of in the spiral.
0: Or, at the very least, he has some very significant personality quirks that are uh, antisocial or just really affect the way he interacts with the public. I mean, it seems...
1: Well, as someone who has worked in media, broadcasting, radio, television, (laughs) I mean, I've kind of done the array of jobs kind of associated with media and communications. Right. I can tell you that a large majority of the people working in that field, we do tend to have a lot of narcissism.
0: Okay. Big personalities.
1: We do. There's a lot of sociopaths, and I'm not even making that as a joke, but legit, like, if you look at those job lists of, like, the number one fields, the top 10 jobs where people are sociopaths. Right. Right. Like reporters and radio personalities are like (laughs) number one or two on the list.
0: Well, I I guess you have to have a certain type of personality to, uh, you know, want to get in front of the camera, right?
1: Well, I mean, I think you probably do, yeah.
0: Or radio or any of that stuff. So I'm just saying
1: that, you know, there is a lot of people, I think, that go that are attracted to that field that probably do have some narcissistic personality
0: (laughs) So And I
1: mean I've and I've been there and I've done that and I'm not saying I'm not part of that because I right. <laughs> probably am too. So Mr.
0: Flanagan just goes on and he's not getting along with anybody, right? Right. Yeah, it just keeps on so and So he
1: definitely I think has some of that. Right. Narcissism.
0: Yeah, maybe even more.
1: In a suicide note, he made references to racial discrimination and sexual harassment committed by both black men and white women in the workplace. He said he was singled out for being black and homosexual.
0: Well, and that's a that's a pretty big combination there, I guess, black and gay, if you will.
1: In other ramblings, he praised those who had committed mass violence, like the Columbine shooters, and talked extensively about Dylan Roof's shooting in Charleston at the black church.
0: Okay, i uh, his support supporting Dylan Roof. Like... Well, he
1: said that was a tipping point for him. He claimed the attack was going to be revenge for the killings of nine black people in the Charleston church. Okay. He said Jehovah had told him what to do. He also made statements about being fucked up in the head. Well, clearly. Flanagan had purchased the Glock two days after the Charleston shootings.
0: Okay. That's not good.
1: So this is a man who's in this downward spiral... Probably has some sort of undiagnosed mental illness.
0: Yeah, it sounds like uh, he may and think even like so a. So,
1: this mass shooting, it's really just kind of pushed him over the edge.
0: Or he maybe thinks like a race war is about to pop off. Possibly. Yeah, I mean, you know. He doesn't sound mentally healthy. No. And he, he sound, seems to be alone in his daily life. And he doesn't even have another personality or a person to. You know how you vent to your loved one? and Or your woman or your man, and it's really healthy to vent if you can do it without getting on their damn nerves. It's, <laughs> it's good to get that out and have someone absorb some of that for you and you're it off of them. And, but them to, to say, look, you know, I know you feel this way, blah, blah, blah. But to kind of some of the calming stuff you get from your loved ones and friends and family. And he doesn't seem to have any of those people. So all, he's just cramming all these feelings and frustrations inside and you know, and it sounds like it's getting worse and worse. Where he can, he's getting where he can't function. You know, interacting with the public or, you know, even coworkers.
1: And some time has passed. I mean, he was fired in 2013. Yeah. And these shootings take place in 2015. Yeah. So he held on to that anger right. for quite a while.
0: Yeah, it didn't happen right after. He held a grudge.
1: After the shootings of the three, investigators were able to track his cell phone because he fled the scene once he had shot these people on camera, uploaded this video onto Facebook, Twitter, he takes off.
0: So he basically walks up and unloads a clip on him, videos it, and leaves. Pretty much. Okay.
1: He took his Ford Mustang to the airport at Roanoke Blacksburg. Then he rented a Chevy Sonic. Around 11.30 a.m., State police spot his rental car on I-66. Authorities try to get Flanagan to pull over and surrender, but they're in this chase with him. He runs his car off the road. When they approach the vehicle, police find Flanagan with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. He was taken to a nearby hospital, but died around 1.30 p.m.
0: Yeah, and... Um... I knew, I kind of thought it was going to go down like that when I was, you know, listening to this live that whole day. I remember being at work, you know, that morning that went down and um, I kind of figured he's going to take his own life. You know, they typically do when they, um, I guess that was a borderline mass shooting. Was it two or more victims at once or whatever it is?
1: Right. This is a triple shooting. Yeah. I know. Double homicide basically because, um, the executive director, managed to survive the woman that was being interviewed. But Allison Parker, the news anchor, as well as the cameraman, Adam Ward, both killed.
0: Two younger people. So this is
1: a murder-suicide.
0: Who wasn't Adam, wasn't that like his last day um, working there? And well, and no,
1: he had just started not that long before.
0: But, um, yeah, see, that's that's the crazy thing. Is There you go is another point on uh, Flanagan's mentality. This dude's only been working there some months. It's not like he's been years and years to have this, uh, you know, over and over, you know, things happen over and over to frustrate him or get mad at this guy. This guy just showed up on the, you know, scene, just started working there. And well, already he hates him.
1: He had filed a complaint against. Well, right.
0: He's probably like, Flanagan. damn, this dude's kind of damn, because uh, Flanagan's not a small guy. You know, he's a pretty big guy. He's, you know, big, kind of husky. He's not, And so I could imagine if him... He's a thick bitch? He's thick with two C's. Just yeah. like me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but yes,
0: he's a thick bitch. And uh, yeah, I could see if he's su- being super damn mad, like out of control mad, you know, that's going to bother people. And people would file a damn complaint on that. Right. Right. So it doesn't, I mean, and he's going to hold on to the grudge and be that pissed off about it still years later.
1: This is just a really like tragic story. And, you know, it was something that was very different. You've had very few live televised shootings. Right. But now, with the age of Facebook, I mean, anybody can commit any act of violence, it seems, and post it online for everyone to watch.
0: Before the internet, that would have been impossible. Right. For a regular, everyday person like me or you to live broadcast to the world at the drop of a hat. That would be impossible, not unlikely, simply impossible to arrange or get done. And nowadays we can pull out, everybody can pull, has a phone, can pull it out, no matter what social media you open, and go live to the world.
1: Well, there have been a few other cases of televised violence, if you will. Yeah, there's... Self-harm.
0: There's some pretty big ones.
1: You were telling me about um, a podcast you would listen to in relation to R. Bud Dwyer, who was the 30th state treasurer of Pennsylvania. Yeah. That... Basically, what pulled out a suicide note?
0: He, uh, all all that stuff had happened to him, and um, they were wanting him to either re- resign or, uh, you know, f- you know, fight through to election. note, and we're not going to back you in the election. He basically pulled out a note and read it in front of reporters and shot himself right there in front of everybody.
1: So his suicide was broadcast pretty widely on television across the state.
0: Yeah, they called it, like, I guess they had delays and stuff, you know, with the live TV. They kind of, but yeah, in the the local, the most local market there, they saw it basically happen right there.
1: He basically had gotten in trouble for some sort of, almost like embezzlement, I guess.
0: Yeah, it was some type of corruption that I remember.
1: And, you know, went through a trial and all that and kept maintaining his innocence.
0: Yeah. But then
1: decided to...
0: He was disgraced.
1: Write the suicide note, read it on television, shoot himself. Yeah, and that's that
0: song is about that. Hey, man, I shot. Yeah, that's totally about that. Yeah. I did not know this. Yeah, it is. Check that song out.
1: Things I just learned on this day.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And then you told me about one.
1: Yeah, there's actually a pretty famous story, fairly famous. Christine Chubbuck. She was an American television news reporter, she worked in Florida. And she was the first person to commit suicide on live television. Wow. There's actually a film about her that I saw that came out a couple years ago. And I believe there's been a documentary about the case as well. She was a single woman, somewhat depressed. I mean, she had a really close relationship with her family, but she, you know, was kind of single. She struggled with depression. She had some suicidal tendencies. Her mom told her, like, don't tell the people at the television station that you have depression. I don't want you to lose your job or get well, fired, because this was in the 70s. Right. There was still a lot of stigma around people having mental illness. Very much so. She didn't really have any kind of romantic partner. I guess friends said she felt really lonely because she you know, didn't have a partner. But right. she also kind of had some almost like brusque sort of behavior. When people would try to be nice to her. Right. Kind of some conflicting feelings there, I suppose. And she had a real problem with the sensational. I mean, you if you work in news media, there's a headline you always hear. Oh, well, if it bleeds, it leads. Right. Because people want sensational stories. We want to hear about the blood, the guts. It's just human nature.
0: They do. You're it?
1: listening to a true crime podcast because you want to hear about the blood and the guts, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: and I, I think the um, biggest reason, you know, you hear a lot of different reasons people give for listening, but a lot of it boils down to we just don't understand how someone can do that. See, I think a lot of people might think that true crime fans are like twisted or messed up in the head, but I think for the most part we're just regular people who... Uh, maybe critical thinker, free thinkers, if you will, who just want an answer. Don't want someone to say this is what that person was thinking. You know, you kind of develop, figure out for yourself what drove or motivated those people to do the things that people do to each other.
1: Speak for yourself, normal. Normie. Oh my God. (laughs) Just (laughs) kidding. So this news reporter, she just felt like everything was violent, gruesome, this horrific stuff. Why are we constantly bombarding our viewers with this terrible news.
0: All right. So she's kind of being made sad by the stuff she reads. Yeah. So she was
1: basically like, hey, you guys have this policy of bringing the latest in blood and guts. And here you are in living color, some blood and guts for you, basically pulls out a gun, shoots herself on this live broadcast. Wow. Yeah. And so this was like, whoa, nothing like this had ever happened before. People are just, like, blindsided.
0: And what was her name?
1: Christine Chubbuck.
0: I wonder if you can find that video.
1: Yeah, I think you can. Really? Yeah, I think it's available. I believe you can probably find it on the internet.
0: Is it weird? Is it sick that I would watch that? No. Okay. (laughs) You you think the listeners are probably with me? They want to watch it, too?
1: The film I had mentioned, I kind of learned this story by watching a film. It came out in 2016. Um, It was a big Sundance Film Festival you know, winner?
0: Really, that recently. It
1: was called Christine? Okay. And it has Michael C. Hall from Dexter? Okay. If you're a Dexter fan? Yeah. He's like the co-star. But it was really good. And then there's the documentary Kate plays Christine, which is like where the actress was kind of preparing for her part. Okay. So it's more of like the documentary. I'm going to check thing. that out. And then, also, if you remember the 1976 film um, Network, that had uh, Faye Dunaway, William Holden, Robert Duvall, oh, yeah. Ned Beatty. I mean, it was like an all-star kind of ensemble cast. It was about a newscaster that's murdered on air.
0: All right. Okay, so there you go. It's uh, They didn't wait till Facebook was here to kill themselves on air, because all those stories happened back in the day.
1: Yeah, there have been a couple. I mean, that was in the 70s. We had the Bud Dwyer suicide. That was in 87. Daniel V. Jones was another man who died by suicide on live television. That was in 1998. But... uh, So you've had a few here and there, but it's not like a very common thing.
0: And they also had access to the broadcast news, be it I can call... A press conference and get the cameras here, or as in the congressman's case, or I'll actually work on the news. I know when we're going to be on live, but now the difference is we're Anyone all can do live it broadcast news. We
1: can broadcast anything we want. I could do it right now media. on our
0: podcast and Facebook Live It,
1: Instagram, surprise story, you by killing Snapchat. myself,
0: still be a crybaby, get a lot of downloads. Maybe I'll be more famous after I'm dead.
1: Don't say that. It's very morbid.
0: Oh. We'll, look, okay. well, if
1: we go walking again, you might run into that crazy guy who's like, hey, the world's going to end and you're going to be judged, and then he maybe will just take care of you. Because be I like, thought he was going to today. <laughs> I'd
0: be like, dude, just hang a ride, head down there, get you a frothy cold craft beer, sit there and study the different parts of it, and you're going to feel better afterwards. Chill the <laughs> fuck out, dude.
1: Well, this has been the story of Vester Flanagan.
0: It was a sad story. I remember how sad I felt when I heard it. Just the whole thing. Two, thanks
1: for listening to Mountain Murders. Yeah,
0: thanks, guys.
1: Again, if you want to join Patreon, we'll get Dylan to sing his steep song for you.
0: Yeah, we got, <laughs> got that.
1: Patrons got
0: that new dollar tier.
1: Yeah, you can sign up for as low as a dollar, just a Podcast. You
0: get a shot, a shout out, and we will acknowledge you supporting the podcast directly, which is awesome. Even as low as uh, just one dollar helps, guys. Every dollar helps, and then obviously you can go on up to the three dollar tier and get access to lots and lots of content. Extra content.
1: So thanks. You've been listening to Mountain Murders, and we'll be back soon
0: Um